Welcome to another episode of Hobbit in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. Ward. Mike. And Steve. Okay, so super prepared there, Ward. Mid-gulp. Yeah. Mid-gulp. So before we go any further, I just need to recognize we are Hobby Night in Canada, and we need to pay homage to our namesake a little bit, because this is episode 99. Oh! So, especially, we are in Edmonton. Yep. So, thanks, Wayne. Yeah. For everything you did. Hashtag thanks, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Should we have a uh, if, uh, like if. a heartfelt goodbye after this episode and like cry a bunch? No, that's Smitty. No, Wayne Gretzky did that in '83 when he left. Yeah, he cried. Or, he did not no, leave in '83. He, he left in '89. '89. That's what it was. Press conference. He cried real good. Yeah, but no tears. I'm sorry. He, he Smitty's specific, tears are way more. Iconic. He specifically drops the bomb. I told Messi I wouldn't. I wouldn't do this. <laughs> and starts crying. That's pretty good. Oh, that's amazing. If Wayne Gretzky played a game system, what game system would he play? Um, probably, bl- ooh, okay, better question. Which game system is typically played by people that drink more alcohol? Ooh, I was going to say maybe Bowl, Age of Sigmar. <laughs> it's a little, little too close to home. I was going to say, which one, which one is the one where they do the most cocaine? <laughs> no, that would be some of the other players from the 80s that, Oilers, though. That, that's Messier. Yeah, it's definitely Messier. <laughs> yeah, You're right. At the very least. Correct. Um, All right, yeah. on that note. Yeah, no, I just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, it's our, it's our namesake and everything. So, moving right along, what do you do this weekend, Hobby Steve? Uh, what did I do? I got a little bit of work done on your brain. Um, got a little bit more work done on... That's the cat lady? Cat lady. Cat lady, yep. You bet. Uh, put together a bunch of Shining Spears, but I think I already talked about that last time. Uh, but I actually got paint on them, so they're, like, playable-ish. Well, we should clarify, these are not the Russian sketchy Shining Spears. Yeah, that's correct. I did, uh, I didn't drop $80 on sketchy uh, Russian Shining Spears for only three of them. I actually went and picked up the GW regular jet bikes, and Ward happened to have a bunch of the torsos for the Shining Spears kicking around, which I is did. really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kit-bashed up uh, like some laser lances, and I'm kind of happy with how they turned out. I'm not, eh, they're alright. So, got that done. So the army for my Eldar now is playable, um, but not really cohesive. I'm kind of torn about it. And you also immediately were like, fuck this, I'm playing Mechanicum. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, <laughs> the the thing about the Eldar is I, I, that list, I think, takes a lot more finesse, so I kind of want to keep playing my Mechanicum until I feel a little bit more comfortable with 8th. That's kind of my, my goal. So yeah, I did that, uh, and then still working on a commission. Cool. Mikey? Uh, I finished off the four... Uh, Inspired fire slayers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I cool. almost finished off all the pipes for scenery. God, that was painful. That's so painful. What scenery? Prometheum pipes. Yeah, the Prometheum pipes. Oh, pla- Prometheum pipes or plasma? Oh, I was thinking the Goliaths. No, it's the pipes. They're pipes. Oh, boo. like the ones I still have sitting over there. Those yes, pipes? yes, those yeah, ones yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> that everybody else in Radio Land can hear. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> the actual Prometheum <laughs> pipes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the uh, new hotness that came out with Shade Spire, but the kit that was out right before that. Uh, those Promethean pipes are pretty old now. 
But yeah, yeah they're definitely a couple years old. They did come out with the yeah the plasma pipes. Yeah, which are the plasma neurons. refineries. And oh stuff. yeah, you're yeah. thinking of the wrong stuff. Not the the refinery thing. Mike painted literally just the pipes. Yeah, yeah. Those those are quite old. Yeah, they're a few years old. Yeah. Well, you got to keep in mind that uh, stuff came, the stuff that came out with uh, Shadow Armageddon is I over a year old now. No, that didn't come out with Shadow Armageddon. Yeah, it did. Nope. You're thinking of the wrong stuff. Yep. Wrong pipes. Wrong pipes. No, no, but I'm... Uh, nope. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm talking about the same pipes as you, but I'm saying they're a few years old, came out not too long before those other pipes that are more new, which are already at least a year old now. So before you finish them, yeah. how, how well did you clean your pipes? I will punch you, Ward. I really will. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've finished off the cloaks on my 10 of the Skitari and started the uh, cogging on the edges of the cloaks. Uh, Are you three handing with that? Uh, yeah. You're going to make me do those, aren't you? No, you don't have to. I'll just do it and make you feel... Uh, Mike, you're going to kill me. <laughs> He's not going to make you do it. He's just going to judge you if you don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good at judging. So one of the Ask things, James. One of the things I have to do, though, is for this particular list is define the units between the different factions because I've got one mixed attachment of Graia and Mars and then the other detachments Stygies, so I have to do some markings anyways. Mm. Cogs in and cogs out. Yeah. Cogging. It's going to be fun. Judging you. I know. <laughs> Ward? Anything? Uh, I worked on some more Thousand Sun stuff, uh, some more assembly. The Demon Princes hopefully should be done soon. Yay. When are they going to be playable? Uh, the Demon Princes? Yep. 2020. Sweet. So. Because remember, I got to hold you to your, uh, so you're good for LDO, so it's two units a month finished. We'll see how. I'm, I'm just going to work, and then I'll have everything finished at the, like, last month. That's well, you that, so yeah, that's not really, how that's, it works. That's, that's literally two a month. <laughs> the university method. Just do it all in the last month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right? Exactly. So and uh me and Steve played a game last night. Yeah. Of forty K. So I love how you playing a game is is your this weekend hobby. It's a hobby. He just trumped us, didn't he? <laughs> Well, you I thought it was going to happen. I played four games in the last I week. I played a shitload of 40k in the last little bit. It's been pretty awesome. Well, fuck you guys. But yes, <laughs> part of that shitload of 40k is the game with War. It was good. Right on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dan? I bought a box of the Push Fit Sequiturs from the AOS, including the, the sweet female one with the shield and the oh, hammer yes. thing. That everybody likes, so I built I those up and primed them, and I want to test possibly color scheme for them, see how it goes. I feel like for you, that's almost a non-sequitur. Can I, because, so this is how little I know about Age of Sigmar, because I just have never really paid attention to it. Yeah, yeah. we know. Which faction is the sequiturs for? The sequiturs are the hammer and shield basic infantry okay. for the gotcha, Sigmarines. for the new chamber of the Sigmarines. Okay. What are, Stormcast, okay, gotcha. Stormcast. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep. And yeah, the these new style ones, uh, it is amazing actually to see because they have, what, three or four chambers of the Stormcast that have come out so far? Like, the ones in the are first they, starter set? Do they get their own rules now? Or are they, like, 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 all, like Space Marine chapters? chapters? They're, like, yep. full-on Space Marine chapters, gotcha. yeah. Okay. So these ones um, in the AOS starter set are all, like, wizards and priests. So they're the more magic users. Um, Wasn't their original fluff, like, they didn't have any magic users at all? Like, they were all common? Those first chambers didn't. Yeah, the, first, the, the chambers are opening slowly, one at a time, right? Because yeah, you just got one, them ready. At that time, you could view this chamber as the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. Yep. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. But, uh, so they did have those initial ones from the starter set. They came out with some of the other ones that had, like, a lot more of the cavalry and some of the monsters and a little mm-hmm. bit lighter armor. 
Like the they had some of the like fur cloaks and shit like that. The ranger ones. Yeah. And that started to break their aesthetic a little bit and, uh, you know, take them down a different path. And now these ones have a lot more of, like, that uh, warrior-priest kind of aesthetic to them. Cool. And nice. I think they're pretty cool. And being that they have a lot of the warrior-priest, wizard-type units, they have a lot of, like, anti-undead, anti-demon-type abilities, which is perfect timing for Soul Wars. Nice. But I really like the, the new style models. I think they look better than those first few editions of the Sigmarines by quite a bit. And, um, yeah, I think it might be, I think it's worth testing to see if the color scheme is going to work and possibly do a small model count for us or something like that. Cool. Nice. So we shall see. That'll be dope. Uh, man, I did a bunch more work on my Nurgle. Nice. I built basically the back half of my 2K list and then got them all airbrushed. Yep. Saw all that. That was awesome. And started working on getting the great unclean one more done-ish. List is pretty solid too. Plays well. Surprisingly, like it needs somewhat, few, somewhat gelatinous. It is Nurgle. Yeah, um, it needs a few tweaks for ITC scenarios so that it can like optimize how many points I'm giving up. But other than, but like as far as what it actually does work wise, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's good. And I also, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about that because by the time we get to the ITC LVO stuff, they're going to probably change the scenarios a little bit, anyways. So, paint what you like. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be good either way. Which is what I'm doing. Uh, okay, so, speaking of painting what you like, um, the shut up and take my money, I'm just going to jump into this. Dear God, dude wants kill team. Okay. Fuck, that looks so good. Every, every, the only thing in that entire launch that really makes me question Games Workshop's ability to make merchandise is the fucking new tape measure. <laughs> because okay, that's that's your complaint. Yeah. Wow, we are nitpicking. <laughs> no, that's that's what I mean. Like the the new case looks amazing. Um, the way they're packaging all their models looks really cool. Um, I maybe don't need the starter set because I have no interest in Gene Steeler Cult or Mechanicum. Yeah. But I can buy the book separately for this fucking game instead of having to buy the goddamn yep. starter set like you have to for specialists. So yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'll be throwing a lot of money at that. We got a lot more to talk about about that in a little bit. Yeah. So I'll leave my comments till then. Dan, how about you? Um, well, I was potentially thinking kill team, but um, you're allowed to double up. <laughs> you, if Tom buys it, you're not like left out in the cold. You know, you can, I'd actually you know, like you guys to also buy it. Coffee. Coffee. No, they're making more than one coffee. Just for just for the sake of <laughs> argument, I'm gonna say no. Mm. But uh, no, um, the the faction box for the Space Marines actually has Reavers in it. Yep. Which I was thinking about picking up uh, the box of Reavers, honestly, just for the skull helms and like the um. They have, like, the half helms where it's just, like, the rebreather. Yeah. They have all those different variants of the heads, which I wanted for conversions anyway. So that might need to be a thing. Nice. Cool. And it comes with more scenery that I don't need, so woo. Uh, wait, just a second. So the box with the Space Marines comes with scenery? Yeah. The, the faction boxes are 75 bucks, and they come with scenery, rules for that scenery, tokens for that force, and a sprue of models. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought they only came with just the models. No. You can still get just the models, right? Yeah, if you buy the fucking box of models. Oh, okay, think, we're talking about... I, I think, think those faction that. boxes also come with some tactics cards that are exclusive to the box. Correct. So there's lots of lots of stuff in there, actually. And so the box mm. of Reavers, which I think is... It's either 35 or $40. Yep. But... So it's obviously more money than that, but you get a lot of the stuff to play the game. Well, if you get a sprue of scenery uh, along with that, that's kind of worth it right there. Yeah, it comes with a decent-looking set of more... Um, I think this one comes with more of the Shadow War Armageddon scenery that I have... Many, many sets worth yep. already. Good, perfect. But, uh, hey, it still seems like a pretty good deal, so yeah. I'll take it. Cool. 
Ward. Uh, I've got some Blood Bowl stuff on order. I thought you, you were supposed to say 90s Angors. Oh, and I was going to also say the Angors. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not 90. I feel like 90 is a bit much. Starting with 90 like, boxes of Zangors. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I have 900 Zangors. <laughs> I am ready to play 40K. <laughs> That's my you own. can go to work and I'll finish my movement phase. How many points are Zangor? Uh, there's 70 points for 10, so... It'd be a lot more than 2,000 points. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but It'd only be 6,300 points for the Zangors. It's a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, so uh, playing the game, I need some chaff, uh, and they did a really good job at dying yesterday, yep. so uh, I didn't really get to use a lot of their synergies, but uh, I think that they would make a useful addition for the force, so I'm going to pick up some more Zangors. And then for the Blood Bowl, I already have the Grebo Games Dark, Elves, so I'm gonna just pick up uh, the new dice and the new spike magazine with all the new special characters. So. The new, That's fair. The yeah. new dice actually look really good. It's like a purple and blue swirly. Yeah, it's actually have, a really good looking paradise. I have a problem with dice, so. <laughs> That's Which Games Workshop realized that we love buying dice, <laughs> and now every release they do has dice, has dice oh. and they're not limited limited runs like they no. used to be. Yeah, like you can just keep buying these fucking dice. I still want to get more of those gene. Ste- well, I say more of those gene stealer dice, but I have zero, so any amount would be more. And that's one of the last ones they did that were like the limited run ones. Yeah, they? they have done some since then because that was a couple years ago now, but. I didn't really want those at all at the time, but because Necromunda is a thing, suddenly I want these dice that are now several years out of print, and that's a fucking problem. And super expensive on eBay. Yep. Good times. Yep. Lucky me. Also, Ward, before we move on, uh, something you should buy for your army is the Dark Matter Crystal for your Zangor, so that's what we screwed up. Take a look at that when you you get home. Well, I I brought my book, so... Cool, we can talk about that after. Yeah, it's good times. (laughs) All right. Mike. Uh, I want all the new releases for the Dark Elf Blood Bowl. Yeah! <laughs> I was just all. Yeah. <laughs> I want and, everything. Don't and, leave me hanging. Okay, all right. There you go, buddy. And I also want all the new Storm, uh, Shadespire stuff, the commander cards and the boards the and stuff. Like yeah. Tiles. Yes. The new maps look pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's a neat idea to have, like, hazardous terrain mm-hmm. so you can hurt yourself. Yeah. Or hurt somebody the, else. I feel like you have a plan in there when you were like and hurt somebody else. Is there what? A what? No, I don't. I don't. Sh- push? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, there's <laughs> a lot of pushing cards in there. Gears are turning <laughs> <laughs> slowly, but they're going. You haven't played against dwarves or orcs yet, have you? Uh, yeah, I played against dwarves. Okay. Yep. I uh, have not played against orcs, so yeah. Because orcs do extra damage. They get inspired when they get hurt. Yeah. And there's squares on the map that hurt you automatically now. Oh. So they can just be like, I want to get stronger, oh, so I'm just going right. to walk through this fucking square I'll and get better. To you, so it's I interesting. I wonder better. I wonder if they were like uh, trying to balance uh, some of the forces, since there's no like, oh, we just dropped the points on this faction. It's kind of mechanic if they were like, yeah. now we give you this board that makes orcs better if like orcs weren't doing well. But it's possible, but there's also also a million ways where that can work against you. I think like hurting yourself in a game where you maybe don't have a lot of great ways to heal yourself. Yeah. Well, I it's interesting. It's just an interesting way of rebalancing. So, I think yeah. I think the leader cards are going to do that more than yeah. a board mm. potentially. Because yeah, they'll have Skaven leader cards in there that only they can yeah. use. As well. I saw that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, for myself, I'm going to be picking up. It looks like some Death Corpse of Krieg. Ooh, it's a bit of a weird one. What? For 40k uh, or for kill team? 40k. And potentially kill team. Yeah, really? Why the fuck yeah. not, hey? Uh, but I need to um, 
I'm going to put a guard battalion in with the commander with Karav's Aquila. So I can do the five plus. farm. Command point farm. I'm going to be that guy. But um, for what I want to do with my um, knight's list and my mechanicum that I'm kind of toying with uh, building towards for LVO, I'm probably going to have a Castellan in there, and it's rotate ion shield stratagem is 3 CP. Mm. So I need a lot of command points, and command points are always good, especially in a Mechanicum list. So that'll be added on to my Forge World order of the two Termine Drills, plus 30 Death Core. Plus a Death Core character and a few other things. Death Core character and then a Primary Psyker, and that's what's going to be in there. And I just ordered today uh, four boxes of Fulgurite Electro Priests, so that's... The, the Forge World order is going to wait a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Fulgurite Electro Priest boxes of five models uh, for fifty bucks. It's pretty cool. Yeah, check those out. are the guys with the spirit fingers and stuff. The jazz hand. These, these are with the stabs. But the alternate models have the, the Corpus Gari are the shooty guys. But yeah, same models. Same models. Yeah, but I hate the models. But now I have, I'm gonna own twenty of them, which is great. <laughs> I just I just like to make. I the thought they were boxes of ten. The boxes of five. Oh. I bought a box of five once for conversion bits. Yeah. I wish ex- they were. They were expensive. Of 10. The Skatari are boxes of 10, which is better. Yeah, so Forge World's in my future. It's good. Cool. All right, so we've kind of been skirting around talking about the uh, Soul Wars box. Fucking nailed it that time. Yep. Um, God damn, all those names are so fucking similar. <laughs> Shadow War, Soul War. Shadespire. Uh, like Shadespire, it's just, yeah. Each one is like one degree off from another one. Yeah, they're, they're on an S train right now. Oh, man, serious S train. Yep. Uh, but anyways, that all that stuff has hit the shelves uh, for the initial launch, and god damn, it's cool. I can't say much about this release, because I literally clicked through the Warhammer Community uh, article and was, like, doing, like, the horse with blinders thing, like, trying just to stay focused on not buying that shit. Right. Uh, was it an undead horse or, like, a weird dragon horse? The, uh, some of the undead stuff looked really cool, and I have to admit, I was like, uh, did, did you buy Soul Wars down? Not yet. I, I might have, if... The painting the sequiturs is fun <laughs> and feasible because I'm if I'm doing them up, the color scheme is basically white scars. Gotcha. Oh. So painting white, not always easy and fun. No. This is what they have spray Full paint for. Now. Armor white and then shoulder pads something else. Shoulder pads would probably red. be red, and most of the other armor is white, and then you get the two tone robes. And I've got it solved oh, for you. What you do is you paint the base with the spray paint brown, the Mornfang brown. Okay, then you spray the model with the fang. And then you spray it with the white. Done. Three colors. You get perfect. That sounds like your style. <laughs> I like it. Is there a way? Is there a way I can spray paint non-metallic gold for the trim? They don't do that. That's a stupid idea. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you picked it up, though, Mike, right? No. 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 I am the only one that I guess picked it You're up. Well, you didn't fucking ask me. Did you pick it up? No. Nah, I, didn't <laughs> so. I didn't think so. Although, Cons- considering you had trouble with the name of the box set. That was. I have trouble with lots of things. Just because <laughs> he never learned to read. Ward's <laughs> throwing shade over here. Yeah. But Fuck. yeah, no, I I, uh, I picked it up. So models look great. Uh, hardcover rule book comes in the box set, which alone I think is 70 bucks. It's so. more than like eight pages. It's, or yeah, four it's, pages. It's a lot, a lot of pages. So. It's a real book now. It's kind of interesting that they went from like the, this game only requires eight pages of rules to play to like. Still very short rule set, but a huge book in the starter set. Like, I think they kind of know what, like, players want. They want that kind of, like, immersive, fluff-based rule book, but then simple rules in a lot of ways. Because people could hold that against Age of Sigmar for a very long time, where they were like, you had a world, you had a universe, you had all this background, you blew it up, 
and you replaced it with a pamphlet. Yeah, so with like, no background. So yeah, so there were people that were like, what is this universe? Why should I care who wins this yeah. game? And now they have that. And it's not like you're selling this board game like it's fucking Monopoly, right? Like, it's not uh, a case of, like, no one cares about what the background of the... Their, Side uh, note, Warhammer 40,000 Monopoly yes, is, is a, thing. a thing. I know, oh. I, that's what, I can't wait to see what the properties are. It's going to be amazing. Like, oh. I hope just, like, like what, planets and stuff? I hope it's like Olinar. <laughs> are we going to have a night where we just drink, like, way too much... Like Sambuca yes. or something. Oh, like, can you imagine what the game pieces are? Like they're gonna be clearly like an orc. Oh, they're fucking an better than orc. Also, a rhino, a bike. Really? That's a rhino, there. Maybe. Oh yeah, man. That's that's cool. Yeah, but dibs anything orcs, by the way. It'd yeah, be pretty cool if it was like a space marine helmet, like an orc shoe. <laughs> That'd be really good. Just, Just like, like the weirdest direct copies. <laughs> Monopoly pieces. No, man, what we'd really have to do is like you could orcify it and instead of having all of the the paper money. You could just have teeth. That'd be good. Of different sizes. That'd be really good. That'd be really good. <laughs> like, that, that is the Monopoly game that I would like. <laughs> That'd be really good. So. Um, yeah. Okay, but anyways, back to AOS and not 40K, because this is I don't know. 40K, 40K Monopoly is kind of dope. <laughs> it is pretty sweet. Uh, we'll have to talk about that. We should go back episode. to shut up and take my money now. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, so, have you got a chance to look through any of the rule set? No, not really, unfortunately. So, I... Picked it up and then it's just been work, work, work. So, gotcha. but uh, I mean, the interesting thing is, it sounds like that there's command points now that are going to work a lot like stratagems. It's it's similar? it's it's similar but not similar. Like you get a set amount of command points in 40k. You have a regenerating command point in AOS, but you can have extra command points that you can spend, but they're one-off shots. Once you use that up, so if you have like if you buy a battalion in AOS, you get one command point plus the one you generate. So you'll start with two. If you spend both of them, next turn you'll regenerate one, but that's it. You only have that one to spend. So does everybody turn. regenerate one? Correct. Everybody regenerates gotcha. one. Yes, gotcha. but there's a, that bonus for taking the battalion type gives you one command point. Okay. So you really how many typically how many of uh, these what do they call them so they're not obviously not stratagems command points. Command what are you talking oh, about? When you do like what can you do with more them? scrolls you talking about? No, they're hero the hero abilities. Yeah. Oh, so that's so, what you spend yeah, 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 the yeah. hero abilities. Yeah, but usually before you had one general and he, Yeah, and he could do a single hero do, ability of his own. But the, he's the only one that could do the command ability. Yep. But you can have a lesser general, and he had a different command ability. Oh, so you can use the command points to do theirs. Now I you see, can I see, use them more than one, and you can gotcha. them off. So right? you could take a Skaven Warlord and a Great un- uh, Great Horn Rat or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. You could be, it could be a Great Unclean one if you're going Molder. Yeah, it Pestilence. could. Pestilence. Yeah, yeah, Pestilence, yeah. yeah. But yeah, then you can use two and one, so you could get some pretty funky... Combos going on. And allegedly there is some weird stacking issues going on, which we won't... I don't think we'll spend too much time on it, but there are some badly needed FAQ items. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because if you also... You get extra command points if you play under points, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, every 50 you spend under, you get a command point. So there are people that are talking about taking a goblin army, for example. Yes. And being grossly under points to get like a million free command points and stacking the same goblin boss ability... So that your champions do double wounds, and then double it, then double it, then double it, then double it. Because you can spend that command point multiple times. And so oh, people are joking okay. where it's like every swing of the goblin champion's axe, he's causing like 128 wounds. Oh, so because it's exponential? Because it's exponential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, so, no, 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 uh, no, no. There are some wrong. things that will probably be FAQ'd very quickly. Yeah. you got to admit they are 
fixing the yeah, problems yeah. faster. Well, there's there's just, there was the same thing with the Dark Eldar with the uh, the stratagem where you could spend to continually like give yourself uh, multiple warlord traits. No. Yeah. And then you could spend that multiple times for diabolical soothsayer and get like an infinite number of command points. And people were like, clearly that's not how this works, and yeah. they fixed it immediately. There's another one too where uh, Krulk, which is the Lizardman uh, named character, mm-hmm. he uh, basically runs up, casts a spell in the middle of a woods. It's a vortex, gives you an extra spell, and then it increases his range, and then he's allowed to... There's a special rule for his war scroll that says he can carry cast a spell more than once. Usually there's a rule of one where you can only cast one spell of this type yep. for your turn period. He breaks the rule in his war scroll saying he can do the same spell multiple times, and basically he turns into an AoE... Uh, so he just keeps exploding, 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 and then everything within 36 inches takes D6 cool. damage per unit, and he can do that like three or four times. So there are people that were saying, oh, oh he I'm can so just go full nuclear. Because he's in the woods, you can't shoot at him. Neat. <laughs> but I saw, I saw on Twitter, for example, somebody was saying, I played my first game of AOS 2nd Edition in the first Magic phase. Croak basically ran up, cast the same spell over and over, caused 105 mortal wounds, and basically wiped out the opponent's army on top of one. Neato, gang. Mm. So yeah, congratulations. FAQ, sure, please. Yeah, that'll be that'll be changed for sure. <laughs> so if it says, to maybe, my understanding, they were actually at the Six Nations tournament when this happens, taking notes to <laughs> fix things. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah I can pe- people found some of these loopholes immediately. Because they haven't they haven't gone back through and fixed any of the old War Scrolls, right? They're all the same old War Scrolls. No, they, the fix, they no no they they fixed War Scrolls too. No, but is it is it like the current uh, War Scrolls were not updated when Soul Wars came out, right? Like they're still using no, no, the. No. <laughs> but the the General's Handbook updated a lot. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I'm just yeah, saying like, that came out at the same time. They yeah. didn't yeah. they didn't go back through and make sure that every single War Scroll made sense with the new rules. They kind of did with okay, the but handbook. but to be fair. There's not huge sweeping changes. It's sure. a lot of clarification. It's a couple add-ons with the sorcery and the command points. And one or two obvious loopholes that Yeah, that were missed before have been cleaned up. So it was a lot of cleanup and a little bit of expansion, yep. but not over the top. Yeah, I've heard this isn't like uh, AOS version 2. This is like 1.5. 1. 1. 1. Yeah, yeah, this is just a very much just a incremental bump. Yeah. So when did the General's Handbook come out? Was it, is it the same time? Same time. Same oh, time. I didn't realize that. Okay. That's they, why I didn't buy Soul Rollers, because I had the Sorcery, I had the Handbook. The, yeah. 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 When you're buying $90 for the spells and the, stuff like that. Yeah, the Unending Spells, the Handbook, uh, and the Core Box Set. How, are the, how do the time. Unending Spells look like in terms of... Uh, did they come in the Size Core big. Box? Big. It's well, a, it's big, a $90 right? expansion. It's its own kit. Like, Holy shit, did you pick that up too? They're about... There's one that's about six inches... In diameter, the about purple three, sun. Yeah, no, no, the, the the gnashing jaws. The purple sun's pretty close in size, but they're they're literally oh, they're like they're six inches. And they're, yeah, they're they're, they're, they're on the bells. they're on the oval monster bases. A lot of them. Yeah, okay. not all of them, but a lot of them are on the yeah, giant like like on your dragoons. They're like yeah, the bases. gnashing gotcha. jaws is the slightly bigger one than I think. The purple yeah. sun's probably damn near the size of a softball. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yeah there's so. the the crystal wall thing. Is like it's got to be like eight or nine inches long. Like they're big. That's well, cool. That, I think I'm gonna pick up one of those boxes eventually because I did like your idea of using the color shift paints on those. So especially with the purple yeah. sun and everything like that. So. I think the sets of the Green Stuff World color shift paints with the endless spells will be really cool to get that shimmery, yeah. magicy effect. I can see that on like that. I already had that in so. my eyes, and I want to borrow one of your color shifts there, Ward. <laughs> <laughs> It'll cost you. 
Ward <laughs> wants to try this first, but you should you should let him do it. Wait, so which, you can focus which, on your thousand which spell? Which spell are you gonna? <laughs> the the life one with the all the bugs coming up. Oh, the bugs! Oh, the shimmery yeah, dragon dragonflies. Flies. Beetles. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that's really that cool about cool. it is that they are colored plastic right out of the hop. So yeah, if you wanted, if you weren't wanting to invest a lot of hobby time into those spells. They're fairly distinctive right out of the box. Yeah, you could play them as tokens. Yes. Yeah. And then... And a lot of them have scenic bases sculpted on too. But to be wow. fair, they show really quick and easy ways to paint them up and look nice. Like, it literally took me an hour to paint up the gnashing jaws. And then this week's new releases with AOS 2 also released the uh, uh, Night Haunts yeah. Unending Spells and the Stormcast. Um, Storm yeah. Oh, so they're doing faction-specific on yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where I start to cringe a little bit because that's $40 a faction. So yeah, in addition to the $90 generic one. So are you the, the question, though, so I, everybody's going to make the uh, argument that you probably don't need these to play. No. no. But one of the things that I always find is you effectively need those sort of things to play. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to compete, if other people have those things, you're playing, like... You're also paying points for them. You're, 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 yeah, so they're, not free. Not they're not free. You have to pay... Like, that purple sun is 100 points. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so basically the way they work is that you pay... Um, you can take as many as you like. You pay points for each one. But so only you pay points for them? You still have to cast them as a normal magic spell? Correct. Yes. You'll pay the points out of your army list to have them. Yeah. You can only ever have one on the board at any given time. But everybody, as as it's but dispelled. every wizard has that spell too. So if you lose one, oh, you're the guy okay. can still cast. So you it. pay for it for the, uh, the army list level. But this yeah. is the thing where I don't think they're not going to be as soul crushing as you think. Because you can have, say uh, you're really going at it, you both have a lot of endless spells going. Let's say there's three. So what it comes down to is you take turns picking who moves which spell. It doesn't matter if it's your spell. So yeah, some of them. Somebody else. Some if of you're the last, be. if you're the last in the turn, mm -hmm. so say he got a double turn and you're last, you get to move his gnashing jaws if you want. You have that option. And some of them oh, will the attack stuff. whatever they so, touch, right? Yeah. Like so they can they can backfire. Who's ever whoever is going second gets to move the first one. Oh, I see. Okay, so that's another way they're trying to mitigate the double turn. Yes, interesting. Interesting. I, I don't know how I feel about something that you have to pay points for that has so many potential failure points. Like you have to cast it, and the other guy doesn't have to dis has to dispel it, and you have to not set up your army in a way that the double turn, which is usually a benefit in Age of Sigmar, doesn't like fuck you up with the spell or whatever. I think we're gonna have to see if they're gonna be used at a competitive level or if yeah. it's just gonna be more of a fun beer and pretzels they're, edition. They're, they're doing it at uh, Warhammer. But well, see. It depends on how many people yeah. actually like yeah. build them in the list. Yeah, like they are, are, they are, are, they, are they gonna be meta? Are they gonna be meta or not? Like whether or not you're allowed to take them, will they be worth taking? Yeah, like they're in match play. They're gonna be a thing, but whether or not they're gonna be good. Is the question. I'm actually finding that, in my opinion, from the little I've touched it, I'm thinking the non-predatory damage spells are actually <laughs> better than the ones that are going around doing the more one thing. Oh, I can get three units to do this much damage. But you have something that's stopping somebody or you have something that's healing stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's a radius thing. So the to me, it's, you know what, sometimes killing is not always Anything the best Anything that affects movement, though, is usually the best. There's stuff like that, like too, right? Walls and everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah the, the buff and debuff ones, which are safer, are probably going to be more, I would just expect a little bit more common. Oh, they always are. Yeah, Even just yeah. like the the mirror portal things, where you can like use them as like an arc node yeah. or whatever to like 
measure from this when you're casting another spell. Yeah. So you can like extend the range of your abilities and stuff. The, is that the lightning testicles? No, no, that, no, 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 those are the mirror it's portal the two things. Oh, the two little kids are lightning testicles. I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> They're not... I, again, I don't know if that's the sculpt or the paint job, but hopefully it, there's a way to make them better. I think it's a bit of both on that one. I think <laughs> I think you should flock yours. Oh, fuzzy mm-hmm. testicles. Oh, I, like it. I have some of the burnt testicles. grass you can use. Oh, oh, I've got some too. You can make it just like Steve's old help hit. Oh, that help hit was disgusting. <laughs> that help hit was vile. Uh, I mean, the big thing also for me was the new Nighthawk models. I am. It's gonna say back to the in box set. love with the models themselves. So just the ghosts, all the new characters that are coming out here right away. Yeah, the fucking Black Coach. I know. The Black Coach is so good. I've probably said this on this podcast, but that might be my new favorite Games Workshop model ever. Oh, I think you have. So mm. good. But it's so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I've seen, like, lots of people Steve are coming out quickly with Googling the Black Coach. <laughs> oh, dude, seriously. Um, Jeez, it's really nice. But a lot of people are actually, like, playing around with those new, um, uh, two technical paints that came out yeah. also with the... Night uh, Haunt Gloom and whatever the fire thing is. Yeah, the blue and the green. <laughs> and was it you that X-ray's was saying... x Flame? Was it you that was saying that it that is a blend of two of the existing colors, like Incubi Darkness and something else? Um... Gloom? One of the heavy metal painters on Twitter was talking about this, where the studio armies that were painted for the Deepkin and the Night Haunt were done before the new paints were created. Mm. So um, basically, the colors that oh were yeah, being, that's cool. So basically, the colors that were being used on some of the um, the Soul Wars models, it was the same mix of paints that became the Deepkin flesh. Oh, okay. And then Deepkin flesh mixed with Incubi Darkness is um, what the Night Haunt Gloom is color matched to. Gotcha. So basically the the technique that they were manually blending with glazes and washes and that sort of a thing, the, the paints they came up with are color matched to those mixes. I bet you the painters in the studio were really happy about that coming out after. <laughs> well, they probably had like 45 mixing pots oh, they, each color. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I also I'm feel sure like when you work in the so. studio, you can just be like, I need a thousand of these paints and <laughs> just make whatever you want. <laughs> Very yeah, I don't think they have to pay for those things. But I see, I've seen no, it wouldn't have been an out-of-pocket expense. It, just, <laughs> it would have been a time saver. Yeah, for <laughs> to sure. To have pre-mixed colors that you're blending across Very these like big flat Jesus, services. I, and I've seen a lot of people playing around with the colors of uh, the Night Haunts too, which is which is pretty cool. So different ways um, of needs uh, more purple. It's be on that size of it's so. Needs more purple. It looks round. Doesn't look yes, like someone. And Steve eight. just keeps talking about the black coach. Yeah, because <laughs> it's the best fucking model ever. Because Steve super understands. Cool. It's super cool. <laughs> like I am, I am legitimately big fan. Big fan. Did I'm torn see? between what I'm going to do after my Nurgle's done if I go into another 40k army or into an AOS army. Would you wait? Can you just say that statement again? I'm torn. I'm torn. What to do after my Nurgle's done? And what are what are your two options? Forty <laughs> uh, k in Age of Sigmar. Another forty k army. Yeah. Oh yeah. Orcs. Yeah. Orcs are gonna come up. Yeah, because orcs are gonna be a thing. Did we ever believe that Tom would say that statement? Ever? Oh, fair. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem that weird. Yeah. Like I don't know. We. I think it's been Tom it's and I in the last in the last two weeks have played more games of forty k than we have in the last ten years. <laughs> uh, no. Probably. In the last year, we've played more 40k together than we have in the last 10 years. I would Guaranteed. argue in the last two weeks. We've only played two games in the last two weeks. Oh, I'm not talking against each other. Like, just in terms of oh, just number of games, games you've played in the last two weeks. is two. Three. No, it was more than that. Three. So the triple. Two. One against you, one against uh, <laughs> Elliot. And we had we played two games. We played in the last two weeks. 
So three. Three. Okay. So how many have you played? How many games of 40k have you played in the last ten years since, or since prior to eighth edition? Prior to eighth edition. Oh God. Um, Two or three. Sidetrack. Two uh, or three. I probably played about three or four per edition. Okay. After fifth. <laughs> Fuck it. Who cares? That's still ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Because I normally play three or four against you, and then maybe one against Dan. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Still, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it just doesn't seem that weird now that we've been playing a ton. Yeah. But it's been a year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, goddamn, those ghost hunt models are great. I'm so excited to just try painting them different ways. Because they there really seem to be those models that if you do, like, fairly basic technical kind of stuff for, like, make getting the basic effect mm-hmm. and then go back and do a couple little details... They'll look fantastic. Well, that's yeah. really all you can do on some of them, because some of the more basic models are, like, a flowy cloak thing, and then a scythe, and then, like, the skull face, and literally that's the entire model. There are no other details to yeah. paint. which makes them kind of nice, because that's one of the things we've talked about a ton, is a model that has a huge amount of detail can be made to look crazy, but it's also can be a bit soul-crushing to try and actually paint those models, especially if you have to paint, well, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them. 40 or 50? Yeah, exactly, 60. Like, the plate bearers are actually kind of nice for that because the detail isn't crazy and you can kind of get away with, like, the guts you can make a little bit. They might be a little too far on the other side of there's a few spots on them where there's no detail at all and trying to make them interesting is hard. Yeah, models like that are great. The problem with those ones is that the details are really weirdly sculpted. They're soft. Everything's soft, so it's hard to get the most out of them. But, like, I think the Nighthawk models are a fucking perfect example. And they they do mix a lot of textures because they do have the, the pitted steel... They have wood effects. They have the the, the skeletal bone, yeah. like bony hands and faces and stuff like that. Um, they have multiple layers of the robes. They have a lot of textures built in that the gradients will be a pain depending on how you're going to do them. But there are a lot of ways to get um, the visual interest and the texture variation. Yep. Well, and the fact that a lot of them come with sculpted bases integrated into their flowy cloak things uh, will give you with, interesting bases, too. Yeah, with the tombstones and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, all their cavalry so far basically oh. have, like, the bones seeing through on the on the cloth and everything like that. So well, that's not cloth like, on the horses. Well, that's their well, flesh that's sloughing their, off. Yeah. But, I mean, cool. like, if you choose, like, a single color, like, they've got the um, uh, Banshee unit. Um, that the are, Hex Race or whatever? Uh, no, they're a new one that's like a snap fit that just came out. Oh. I can't think they of They have silly names. Mirrorman the ones with the horse faces? No, not the Hex rates are the ones that were in the old edition. The hex yeah. rates are one of the cavalry, the, the yeah. dual kit with the black knights. Yeah, yeah okay. no, these these ones are, it's like a unit of banshees with chill daggers and everything like that, so I can't The think whatever the right fuck now, so. you, whatever the fuck Yeah, you yeah, yeah, so. There's like but, three or four different of these units. But there. they're <laughs> they're pretty much like painted almost like a, like a white, uh, but they still have that like slight like green like mixed in, so it still looks uniform with the army, even though that they stand out quite a bit on their own. Yeah. Um, so as long as you do something like that with like an overall color kind of to mix in with all the different units. You can really get a lot out of it, I think, and still have a uniform-looking army. So, Cool. Yeah. So, all right, let's jump into it. Uh, pucks for this release for Age of Sigmar. I love how we didn't talk about Stormcast, like, at all. The <laughs> other, you already <laughs> did, kind of. Starter set. You kind of already did. A little bit, just to Do remind you. Do you want to talk about them more? 
I think we can. Does anyone else have any feelings about the Stormcast in the box? I do. Did think- anyone even remember that there's Stormcast in the box? <laughs> no, no, I did. My, my, my honest opinion was, God damn it, I gotta pay more Stormcast. That that was that was it. I did not that I don't want well, to. You, just, you just, look at the local buy and sell groups too, and it's like everybody is like, hey, I'm in search of uh, another Night Haunt side. Does anybody want my not, Stormcast? Not a word of a lie. I legitimately did not know there was Stormcast in the box. So, I, I, I do agree, though, with you, Dan, that the Stormcast do look better than the previous um starter box set and everything. They're better proportioned. Yeah, uh, I think the uh, Do they have machine tiny heads really still? No, still? the heads are way better. They're, their heads, I think, are the same size, but partially because of the sculpts themselves being the priestly guys, they have a little bit more of the robes. They don't seem to be quite that, like, Blood Bowl style, like, football tackle dummy mm-hmm. uh, pose on all of them. And a handful of the models in every unit are female, so they have the more oh, realistic... Less cartoony. Uh, it's basically the same aesthetic as um, the female model from the Steelheart Champions yep. from Shadespire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so they're done more to that aesthetic, which tones things down quite a bit. Uh, I just generally find that the combination of the robes, the weapons, um, the female models, everything just makes them proportion more reasonably and they don't look as cartoonish. I, I also feel that they're releasing more models that you actually have like the bare heads too, which yes. which is I think uh, a big benefit. Well, I wasn't sure if they had physical corporeal bodies in that first release because I don't there was no fluff in the beginning and if once there was I didn't read it because <laughs> I just didn't care at first. But in the beginning I was like are they machines? Are they like uh, like the Thousand Suns where they're sort of like a spirit entombed in the suit of armor. In magical armor and Because it sounded yeah. like the way they were like, oh, reforging the souls of Stormcast. I thought they were literally like Thousand yeah, Suns. Yeah, I totally thought they were Thousand Suns too. But yeah. Just um, good Thousand Suns that had a bit of a personality. And you started to get into that when they had the, I can't remember the names of all the chambers, but the ones that did have the extra cavalry and the fur cloaks. Vanguard. And the Vanguard. They started having a lot more of the bare heads and a little bit of, uh, I think a few of them might have had like their arms were bare skin. So potentially I th- on a couple of them. And so you're getting more of that now as well, which, like the, again, the the side shave models, which some people make fun of, but they're really well sculpted. I like it. It's like <laughs> almost like Vikings. And painting that like stubbly side shave type thing, it looks really good when you do it right. Did you do it right? Oh, mine's primer black. So. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. So a smooth primer. Yeah, I touched up the primer and then primed again, so it's very smooth. Wow, <laughs> the smoothest primer. Wow. I also custom mixed my own Vallejo paints now because the Vallejo model color black is too flat. And I, the last couple of pots of the Vallejo Air Color Black that I got are super thin and glossy. So it's kind of like squirt from one into the other and back and forth until they both don't suck. So I have custom black. Wow. You can tell I'm a Raven Guard player. I pay way too much attention to black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, can we puck this now? We can puck it. Puck it. Okay. Puck it senseless. Who wants to go first? Me. I give it a four. Okay. That is a completely unfounded number. <laughs> okay. It's out of five still. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. Five. I'm going to give it a five. They did it. Yeah. I got no complaints other than it cost too much all at once and I had to wait. You okay. know it's a good deal. It's a lot of money all at once because they yes. came up with a million other boxes. Yes. All that's at once. Why. Yeah. 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 With this okay. So, no, wait. So. Four and a half because it came all, all at once. That's, that's my. I'm standing on that. Yeah. Because <laughs> even if they like petered it off over a month. Yeah. You know, instead of having, okay, so this is out. Well, they kind of did because there there is so much shit that it's continuing to extend over the next couple weeks. But that's just fleshing out the new factions, like all of the, like... Characters for the Night Haunts or the, and everything like that. The, the Soul Wars 
launch stuff. So much of that was out at that day one. Yeah, but there's more coming. Yeah. But, like... Okay, maybe two months. Like, <laughs> honest to God, the reason that I gave it a four is because I don't have time to look at Age of Sigmar stuff. Well, here's like, the I, problem. Like, okay, Age of Sigmar Soul Wars comes out. The models are amazing, and then they announce Kill Team like a day later with new scenery. And I'm already still working on 40k stuff, and I'm working on Shadespire stuff. And like, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It, it, you know what? Hello, GW. It's called a refractory period. Yeah, like I need to slow down. Like, uh, they, you know, this, that's literally why I brought it down to four and a half. Yeah, we dehydrate. There legitimately used to be problems of like not knowing about product far enough in advance, not like enough new cool products yeah. coming out that often. Don't get me wrong, none of this is a problem. Like I, my four <laughs> is strictly because I'd like to enjoy it a little bit, but it's going to be like a week before something crazy new is out. Well, and you know, like the week that uh, uh, Kill Team comes out, there's going to be like something even more amazing right afterwards. Oh, totally! Like I still, I still really want to pick up some Armager Helverans and paint those up. But that's already, like, feels like it was, like, six months ago, and it was, like, two weeks ago Imperial Knights came out. <laughs> yeah, and, well, because what's, what's the other one? Uh, the Rogue Trader game? That thing? That whole thing! What yeah. the fuck was that? that well, we'll thing. talk about that a little bit more shortly. Oh, Titanicus. That's a thing, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Not to mention, we're probably going to see, it like, a second wave of Shadespire right away. Oh, yeah, and there's still four Blood Bowl teams a year. Oh, yeah, and, and we're still waiting for all the Necromunda stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Orcs are probably this year, too. Yeah, and Space Wolves. <laughs> yep. And, oh yeah, 2019, which is like, not even six months away, we get Sisters of Fucking Battle? Yep. Like, come on! <laughs> like, yeah. fuck, I want to give them a two, because it's like, what the fuck? Like, I love all of it, but how the fuck am I ever going to finish a goddamn project ever again? Now this everybody is- gets to feel like me, so happy. <laughs> this, is what I, this is why I was legitimately worried. We were talking in a parking lot after a baseball game. I was like, Bork, do not buy Soul Wars. You have a thousand Suns Army to paint. And I was like, legitimately concerned. And then you yeah. bought Soul Wars, and I was like... Vegas is done. There's no way he's getting an army finished. <laughs> That's a lot of models to clean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were, we were halfway through ratings. So we got a 4, 4.5, what I'm going to give it a 5. Uh, I love the new models. Uh, I feel this is a good like launch point for me to actually look at some Age of Sigmar. But I'm not touching Thank any God. The models. Gotcha. Look, don't touch. Look and don't touch. Blinders. Correct. Okay. It's like one of the games are just strip Ward <laughs> never gets distracted. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> we all get distracted. It's just a little bit less. Ooh, well, shiny things. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.5 as well for one simple reason. Uh, the shoulder pads on the Pushfit um, oh, Stormcast like have the seam down the center of the shoulder pad. Uh, stop that. Stop so you that, get GW. that fucking gap to fill on like a nice curved flat That's surface. why they produce uh, liquid green stuff, though. It's obvious. They need to have, if they made it all perfect, they wouldn't sell any liquid green stuff. Yeah, but yeah. liquid green stuff doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that stuff is terrible. So that that is one thing about the models that I'm not a fan of is I, I understand why they made them push fit, which they didn't do for the previous AOS game, and some people complained because it was those models were a little tricky for some of the newer players. Mm-hmm. But not having the shoulder pads separate wouldn't have having separate shoulder pads would have been easy as shit to assemble. It wouldn't have been push fit, but they'd still be really easy to assemble, and you wouldn't have that goddamn seam. Which, uh, anyone who's built Necrons or anything, it's the same freaking problem. Those are hard gaps to fill quickly and flawlessly. And if you're doing a white fucking armor color scheme, you don't want that giant seam down the middle yeah. of the shoulder pad. Just use super glue, lots of it. It'll You'll be fine. fine. Well, the one I already right. did that, but then you gotta file it, and then you gotta add more, and then file it, and it was like 10 or 15 minutes a model. 
the one trick that can work, but it's like it's unfortunate when it's on a piece that you'd want to super glue otherwise, is getting a lot of plastic cement and then just filing it and the shape and like the the filings go into it, and will kind of help kind of gap fill that kind of stuff. But it's still not perfect. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. still tell there's a slight ridge or something. Like yeah, that. so that that type of a seam compared to a space marine shoulder pad where there is no seam, it's just that mold line around the edge, which takes half a second to clean. Yeah, the multi-part kits will be a lot better results in the end for that simple reason of the shoulder pad assembly. So mm. I'm a little bit choked about that, but otherwise, it's a great set. It's a good price point. You get shitloads of nice looking models, and a lot like it might. I keep. Thinking like, okay, this is they can't get better than this. Every time they release a new starter set, you're like, because seriously, there was a lot of shit in the. I think the first one was the Island of Blood Box, mm-hmm. or no, Battle for Skull Pass that had like that massive goblin army. It had like sixty goblins and some spider riders, and then there was like thirty, all, forty all dwarves and cannon and shit like that. And I was like, this is so much better. And then like, all right, well, fuck you guys. We're gonna release uh, Island of Blood where it had like the big ass monsters and shit because you had all the Skaven and the, the fucking high, the high, the high elf, elf on a griffin. griffin. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I can't get any better than that. And they're like, all right, Dark Imperiums out. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then it just keeps ramping. Yep. And I, I'm really kind of terrified for what the fuck they're gonna do next. I think the answer is you're excited. Oh yeah. Well, yep. the next my wallet is terrified. Well, the next yep. st- starter set they're coming with has Warlord fucking Titans in it, so that's a thing. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love how it's plural. Warlord fucking Titans. Yes. Yeah, that's yep. a little that's a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm definitely in that 4.5 camp of just like <sighs> You know what? Fuck it. It's a 5. It's a solid yeah, on fucking its, release. On its own, it's a solid release. On its own, it's a five. It was like, a good thunder. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so okay, um, let's move out of talking about super fanboying on Games Workshop, and let's let's talk about the hobby a little bit because there's uh, a couple. Th- there's kind of two pieces about this that I want to talk about. Do they have want- a big seam down the middle? Yeah, just like just like those push fit shoulder pads, and I want us to not be too nebulous. So, kind of on one hand, I want us to just start by talking about the hobby track, and then kind of maybe afterwards talking about scoring and commission painting versus painting your own stuff kind of as like a separate piece so we okay. can maybe like stay on track. Okay. So let's just stay start. Stay on track. Hobby track. Yeah. Stay on the hobby track. So Steve, uh, you're probably most familiar with what the hobby track yep. is. Do you want to give us like a little outline of what Frontline Gaming is doing? Yeah, 100%. So it, it's completely the same as what they're doing for their actual champions track. So when you go to a tournament and you play uh, in a tournament, you get an ITC ranking at the end, like number of points based on number of rounds and number of participants. Uh, you get a particular score, and that goes towards your yearly uh, score for top ITC player. Um, so just like that, where you take your top four events or whatever it is, I can't remember if it's four, I think it's four, uh, and that goes into your uh, ITC score. They're doing that for hobby as well now. So you get a particular ranking. So if you come in first for whatever hobby track that event calls it, uh, so that could be potentially like a best presentation or a best hobbyist, depending on how those things are done or whatever else. Or a player's choice or best player's painted. Choice. Any sort of thing that represents on your army's presentation. Best uh, mold line removal. Sure, yeah, totally. Nice. That could be part of the hobby. Um, you, can, you can basically get your, uh, your tournament organizer to enter in for the hobby track. And they submit the exact same sheet of results, just like they would do for uh, the champion side, but for the hobby side, and you get points for that. So there will be an ITC best uh, hobbyist at the end of this ITC season. Which will be at the LVO. 
Yeah, well, yeah, the LVO is when the season wraps up, and uh, typically also the LVO is sort of where the results are always cemented. Yeah. Um, because, because if you win one of those categories, you get a shitload of points. Yeah, because, I mean, you go to as many local RTTs as you want. Uh, an RTT would be, like, for example, I think Onslaught's an RTT, if I'm not mistaken. Because it's a one-day. Because it's a one-day. It's, one day. Yeah. it's not a major because it's not a two-day. But if you go to your RTTs and you're playing with, I don't know, even 30 or 40, 50 people or you, whatever. You can get a good number of points. You get a good number of points. But compared to the LVO where there's 600, a little different. Um, so yeah, that's basically when everything is sort of cemented at the end of the year, but you still have to go to a couple of majors, a couple RTTs to basically get, uh, yourself in the running for, uh, any of those tracks. So is it the same as the ITC where they take your best scores? Yes. Your best score events. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's the idea right now. Uh, I think it's four. So don't quote me on that. You might have to check their, their package for that particular number of events. I will. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think it's four. Cool. So. Let's just assume right now everyone's painted their own models. Yep. That's fucking cool. Oh, I, I think. I think it's a the the sentiment that they're trying to get to with this is brilliant because the the biggest thing that separates this uh, from a video game in my mind is the hobby. Like at the end of the day, StarCraft is based more or less on 40k and it was a huge esport kind of thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still got random number generators, you're just rolling dice. It's the basically the same core mechanics in a lot of ways what separates this is people actually put together and build and personalize their armies what if you do your own texture pack for starcraft sure yeah but i mean that's <laughs> i don't even a little know different that's a thing a little different i mean there are modders for sure for starcraft but yeah there's people who do have unit skins and this is this is packs. still very very different because you you actually have to have a physical model you put together you yeah. paint and the time investment to building I, an army I was being facetious I know but you, it's not a bad comparison is kind of what I'm getting at mm-hmm. it's just there's a huge amount of effort involved in the hobby for this and people get into this because of the hobby there's a lot of people that get into um, you know playing esports and don't give a shit about the background or the lore or, or anything like that uh, I'm thinking of like Overwatch where like it, the background is very much secondary to the fact that it's a competitive game first I feel like a lot of people that get into miniature gaming, you just can't do that. If you want to paint an army yourself, again, assuming everybody paints their own stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's we're starting uh, there. You, if you want to paint up an army and compete in this hobby, you have to be attached to that army. I can't imagine somebody going through that amount of money, like you're talking $500 to $1,000, uh, then also going to tournaments, getting the practice, painting an army, the, the hobby supplies alone. Like You have to be invested. You have to like the lore of what you're doing. And yep. why you're painting those models. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think this is a great thing to build the hobby because it's going to get people a bit of a reward for actually putting in the time uh, towards making their games look better. I also really like this because quite often you see from most organized play packs from most companies always kind of treat the hobby as secondary. Yep. And so to have an organization like Frontline Gaming actually look at this and go, okay, so we still have more trophies for playing games, but we're going to try and increase the number of options to, like, excuse me, have hobby achievements. Yep. Where they still, you know, you've got the best presentation at the um, at the tournaments that you're going to go to, but, like, the fact that they had for the ITC for years, like, best Chaos Renegade Knight player would be a fucking trophy, yep. and there wouldn't be recognition for the person that had the sweetest-looking army at the most events... Yeah. Like, it was a little absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you have to sort of pick 
what's important for the community, right? Like, um, in my mind, if you're going to go to a tournament, the point of going to a tournament is to play. If you're going to go to a painting competition like Crystal Brush, the point is to paint. So I do understand why they have an emphasis. They should on have the best general category at Crystal Brush. Yeah, exactly. But that's you're kind of right though. They warlords. did they did skew very heavily in one direction. And again, the hobby is not just strictly about gaming. It's not an esport. So I think they did skew a little bit too much towards. Uh, yeah, like you're right. The fact that there was a best dark Mechanicus. What, that's an army? <laughs> I didn't even know it was a, when I was at the LVO yeah. for the awards ceremonies. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, somebody plays that first of all. Uh, no, I, I think that it's good that they're recognizing the, the hobby and the guys at Frontline um, genuinely are hobbyists, right? Yeah. Uh, they, like, Reese still paints his own stuff. Uh, I know he was frantically painting up knights for his ATC team this weekend. Uh, <laughs> like, he was talking about it. It's not going to be his best-looking army because he wasn't going to be able to get the Dominus done in time. He's got a real job like the rest of us running frontline. Uh, they are hobbyists, and they want to see the hobby grow. That's that's a big thing for them. Uh, so I think the sentiment is absolutely excellent. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I, I agree that it's it's the right idea uh, to help promote um, all aspects of the hobby. And I mean, like you said, like ITC was a tournament circuit, right? Yep. Where you go literally the independent tournament yeah, circuit. Where you go and you you're playing games to 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 win the overall championship. And the fact that they're now starting to I think be successful enough that they can add new like layers to that, mm-hmm. uh, I think just goes to show like how. Um, in-depth and immersive that whole circuit is. Yeah, I mean, the original goal was to uh, to push and organize competitive play because GW was nowhere to be seen uh, six, seven years ago when they started this whole thing. Yeah, or they, for a couple years, they just put the blinders on and pretended the tournament scene didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, they did all their own FAQs. Like, they had the ITC FAQ, which was like 30 pages of rules clarifications for tournament and, play. And lots of people used that yeah, uh, for their events because it was the only way to play 40k in a sane way in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, because exactly. the game was absurd at that point. Yeah, like limiting two plus rerollable saves, stuff like that. Like they really took a uh, page to make the play more fun, especially when GW was really pushing the hobby aspect. Uh, now that GW is sort of in the middle ground, I feel like they've allowed it's allowed organizations like the ITC, which is if not the biggest tournament circuit for 40k, is definitely. Right up there, I can't it think is. of it. I can't think of a bigger one. I was going to say European Team Championships maybe is close for the feeder events, but but that's not really the same. No, it's not. You're right. Like it's probably the biggest. Um, so I, I like the fact that they now have the ability to sort of go towards the hobby track. Yeah. I like that. Okay, let's bring down the curtain. So it's a, it was a big if that we started with this one on. Yep. And one of the things that I've been kind of seeing in a lot of the the discourse around a lot of either, like, the hobby track specific or, like, Renaissance Man or Best Painted at different tournaments, there seems to be a discourse opening up where you don't have to actually paint it to win these awards. Yeah. Yep. Is the hobby track addressing that at all? No. And there's a lot of other problems with the hobby track that I want to talk about as well. Um, but, the, yeah, you're right. The biggest thing is people don't have to paint their own shit. Um, and I have... I'm going to play Devil's Advocate in a bit as to why that's one of their rulings but i think frankly it's bullshit bullshit completely yeah i don't think anyone Sorry. in this room is going to really I... disagree with that sentiment no well, i mean considering that we're all hobbyists yeah i think that would be 
poor form if we were. Oh, you know what? It, it, it doesn't even have to do if you're a hobby. It's it's the spirit of competition in general. It's your. Well, you're competing against somebody else to be better painted, to be a better general, to be a better player. And getting somebody else to do it means you're not fucking winning it. You're not. You're, you're it. literally buying a trophy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the argument that, um, that Frontline has made uh, as to how they see this sort of going in the future is if you were racing a car, you would have a team and a team owner that would manufacture the car, right? Mm-hmm. And they would sponsor you and basically provide you with the car. So you are a Ford driver. So the idea is you could be a frontline gaming player. You're sponsored by Frontline Gaming. You have their their your stuff is painted by yeah, them. It's true that it's a partnership. It's true that you're not going to enter an F1 race with your car, your 240. Yeah, I mean, that's not would, a thing. Well, I could, but I think I might lose. I don't think you would be allowed. <laughs> not an <laughs> F1. Probably not. So here, do you have more to that argument? Because I have like. But that's a a false equivalency in my mind. Totally. And the equivalency equivalency that they're arguing is not the manufacturer. Like, basically, we're all GW players. Because in auto racing, the way it works is the manufacturer supplies you with a car and the team typically... Like, it's more more like NASCAR, where the team that supplies you with the car is a manufacturer and they build a ton of these chassis and then the team sets it up. So in in this case, really, we're all GW drivers. Yeah. And we're all buying the same kits from them and setting them up our own way, uh, aligning the car, whatever, doing our own arrow, that kind of thing. So I think their their argument is really not reasonable. And what the equivalency is in the hobby track... Sorry, go, Tom. I got a lot to say, man. Yeah, but, like, so the thing for me that really pisses me off, um, and, like, I love a lot of what Frontline does, but, like, this one rubbed me so fucking raw where they're, like, they started talking about commission painters sponsoring players as like the logical extension mm-hmm. from that where like all of a sudden painters have to give away their fucking product that is already so undervalued in this in this yes. community when it's like yeah. people expect to get like high quality armies for between five and fifteen hundred bucks and you're like all the hours that go into that that guy's making like five bucks a fucking hour oh yeah easily so it's already one of the yeah. most undervalued services provided in this entire realm yeah and they're trying to drive down that value more by saying, oh, now you're doing it for a fucking exposure. Yeah, that it, argument does not fly in the art industry in terms of, like, graphic design. It doesn't yep. fly in, in a lot of music I, or anything I, else. I, and, like, and frankly, that's so fucking ignorant. I haven't Because se- people break their asses to paint their goddamn art, like, armies for people. And to expect them to do it for free and to transfer the recognition over to other people... Is fucking bullshit. You also assume that some of these artists have the ability to be production studios. Like that's one thing. Like like Frontline is a product. Their paint studio can do production work. A lot of the artists um, that can do like the top level stuff. Like I can't do production stuff. And I, I like the other argument too is like, well, if you can't compete with the commission painted stuff, like somebody brings a really, really nice uh, painted army that's been commission painted, probably that commission painter is going to be there too and with his own stuff. And his own stuff's going to be better than what he did for his commission stuff. Uh, that I don't think is totally fair because the production uh, argument comes into play. Like, I can't paint stuff in a production fashion. I can only paint for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you have a big boy job. You don't. Yeah. You can't paint 9 to 5, like 10 hours a day every day. So I can't give my army to somebody else to play and be like, uh, here's my sponsorship list, right? Like, I painted this for a year, and yeah, I'll go toe-to-toe with those commission painters, like, as I've done, right? Uh, but it's just not something that really is equivalent. And that kind of comes back to the other point of, well, what if I did give my army to somebody like uh, Nick Nonavani or Jeff Robinson, and they won the event? 
do I get their best general trophy? Especially if you paid them. Yeah. Where it's functionally the exact same thing. I paid them to play my army. Uh, exactly. Or I paid somebody to paint my army. It's the exact same argument. And, yeah, you don't, you don't, like, we were talking about coaching in the previous episode, but if you're playing in a tournament, you, your coach can't be standing over your shoulder telling you what to do. Yep. You don't have a PR team as your, like, sportsmanship vote. You don't have, like... Yes, you don't have the yeah. ability so, to outsource. Sorry, this, you sorry this guy to... swore, but he's really a no, good guy. Like I've hired Salt and Peppa to be my like hype crew for the entire tournament. Push it real good. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Fucking how cool would that be? I would allow that. <laughs> but you don't get to outsource any other element of the best, or like the Renaissance Man point or whatever. So yep. why should you be able to outsource your painting score? Yeah, I totally. Now, so. As we've all established, none of us here agree with this. Then, how do you enforce that? And that is that was the point the, that I made earlier. How the hell do you enforce the, that? The, the other tough thing too is like you have to be really up on like different studios and what they're producing in order to know that hey, that is a commission army that that individual and bought. In a lot of cases, the studios aren't the ones you need to worry about. Yeah. It might be well, well if somebody like like Israel isn't necessarily. Um, he's not necessarily painting like 30 armies a year. No. But there are some of those painters that they will do, they're not as well known, they're not pumping out stuff in volume, mm-hmm. but yeah, maybe they do sell one army a year, one army every two years, not everybody knows about that army, those could be potentially the ones you need to worry about, rather than the mass-produced ones, because they might be more likely to win. The sleeper armies. Yeah, no, it's I, just, and it is a really, this is the hard part. And LVO has people coming from all over the world, right? I mean, there's people from overseas that we got to hang out with, with last year and everything like that. How do you police that? Like, how do you know what's going across the the ocean with commission painters and everything oh, like totally. that? Oh, totally. You don't, right? So, I mean, you, you have to possibly take it on face value if they say that they're not commissioned painted armies. Yep. But then if something comes out in the wash like later on down the road, like there's not a whole lot you can do about it. And that type of thing has happened with even Golden Demons in the past. Or even just local events. So I think ultimately there's nothing you can do at a like systematic level other than say don't fucking do it. But you should still say don't fucking do it. But you still say don't fucking do it. And then ultimately, I think a perfect analogy here is what happened at the last LVO. Yeah. Where what the guy did was like, um, I can never remember their names, but the guy was like, oh, you can't do that thing because it's already the different part of your movement phase, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, and then the community fucking ripped that man a new one. Oh, no, Alex Fennell was the guy that had that happen to him. Yeah, but the other guy. But like the community ripped that guy a fucking new one. Harrison, but yeah. Um, And really it comes down to. It's going to come around. If people aren't open about these things, and a commission painter, like, sees, especially with more publicity that's happening at larger events, like, sees a guy claiming and getting points for an army that they did, and they can just, like, all they have to do these days is throw a fucking tweet. Yep. And it'll explode, and that person will get fucking shamed. I don't know. That, that type of a thing, as we mentioned earlier, I hate the idea of throwing anybody under the bus, let alone somebody I respect and all that. Like, but... Jeff Robinson is affiliated with Frontline Games to yep. some... I don't know how official that extent Plays is. Plays on Team Zero Confidence. So, yeah. But he has he has won Best Painted cash prizes with com- like armies that were commissioned painted for him, and he'll happily accept that cash prize. And so I think there is... like That type of thing has already happened. He's already acknowledged that publicly in tweets, and nobody there wasn't really a backlash to that. 
Okay, but here's here's the other argument that I make. Again, coming back to cars, because I do see there being a lot of analogies with building and painting something because <laughs> yeah. you do with a car. Uh, what about for a car show? Like America's Most Beautiful Hot Rod is an award they give away every year um, for like traditional hot rods, like 40s to 50s kind of cars. Those cars aren't built in the home garages anymore. Those are all outsourced. Somebody's money paying a shop to build the thing. Yeah, because you got Usually somebody for doing your chroming, you got somebody for your powder coat, you got a painter, you got a body guy. You, you typically have a shop, like a yeah. frontline gaming production studio, some and sort of also, really high-end stuff. And you're also probably throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at it. Whether mm-hmm. it's uh, whether it's that level of yep. um, a show car, whether that's, well, add a few zeros to that if you're talking like uh, NASCAR or F1 teams. Yeah, yeah. Like that is, that show is car, tons of millions of dollars. A show car, you legitimately are paying money to receive a cash prize. Yeah. And the cash prize pales in comparison to the money you outlaid for the car, which is very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, okay, this is different, but... Does anybody feel that it's maybe a little biased? Because one of the guys that works for Frontline Gaming and plays is using Frontline Gaming armies and winning prizes from the commission painting. Doesn't that seem like... Yeah, does, to the, me that feels a little shifty. The prizes that he's won has not been from Frontline Gaming. Okay. Yeah. But no. their ruling enables him to do yes. it. That's what I'm calling yes. shifty. You know, it's yeah. one of those things where... And I, I would like to preface most of what I say here of, again... I love so much of what these guys do, and the only reason I really feel comfortable criticizing is because I do value what they're doing, um, much like how I'd rip on Games Workshop for so long. But ultimately, here's a ruling from a company that makes a presumably a not small amount of money off commission painting. I have no idea. Yeah, I, like I don't know what the numbers are or anything. Totally so I don't really, but like whether or not it's something that's going on, it gives you that like. It's at the it's very. A, it's enough to question. If it's not necessarily a conflict of interest, it is sure as hell a perceived conflict of interest. Yep. And in a lot of cases, that's just as bad. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing, though, is okay. So let's say that uh, Frontline Gaming comes along and says, um, "You have to paint your own army, but somebody primes your army for you, or helps you assemble it, or and we've heard that, it, and we've heard that devil's advocate <clears throat> argument locally in the past. It's a well. fucking straw man, dude." It might be, but it done, nonetheless, like, what happens if somebody helps you airbrush it and you do all the detail work? Or somebody does all your conversions for you, or somebody, if you do everything but somebody else paints your faces. So, I mean, What's some, the level? In some of the, in some of the painting contests uh, with entries, they will state who collaborated on the project, and uh, it, it'd be a, a tough thing to, to police again in the uh, hobby track, but if you're able or you're forced to basically put whoever collaborated on the project and you don't get the cash prize, it, it has to be divvied up or whatever, that could be a potential. But again, you're, but again, you're you opening up a whole if, can. And what you end up with is like, okay, so you post the armies on you know Frontline's page. These are the guys that came in for second and third for a hobbyist. Um, and somebody tweets out, oh, I primed that guy's army. Right? Like, that totally ruins some of your credibility. Uh, and I think it really takes away from what the players did achieve for themselves, too. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'd love if people could just be honest. And Reese has said this on, on uh, Signals from the Frontline. If people were honest, this wouldn't be a problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, as a hobbyist who takes the renaissance and uh, presentation side probably more serious in a lot of ways than the gaming, uh, it does rub me the wrong way. last year. 
But like, yeah, especially last year. <laughs> but honestly, for me... And that brings me to another point about last year, too. But for me, it kind of that argument almost feels like, so there's going to be some people out there that are going to abuse our medical system, so therefore we shouldn't have universal health care. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we should I mean, all just die when we're 30. You know, like, there's always going to be someone that's dishonest or abuses, and if you're, pol- if you're writing policy for that person and not for your average experience... You're going to be missing the point. Mm-hmm. I feel. You're probably right. You know, and I agree. I mean, in my in the onslaught tournament packages, I usually state that, like, hey, you know what? Like, it gracefully bow out of the painting contest if you haven't painted the majority of your army. Yeah, right? but, I mean, at the same time, as a TO, you've had people that have been like, oh, I painted that. When you blatantly know. Yeah, and I mean, that's part of the reason that the judging is also done by a different scale. It's not like by your peers. It's like, okay, I know that's a commission army. That'll be but taken when it's not at a local so. scale, there's no way the organizer is going to no, know they every won't, player. They won't also, know what happens if you're like wrong? That, so. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But like, that's why you just have to trust your... You just got to trust them. There's someone that's going to fucking cheat and sneak through. But frankly, there's also going to be someone somewhere when competitive 40k reaches a point who's going to find a way to cheat and win a tournament. Yeah. Arguably already happened. Yeah, right? Sure. But like maybe even more insidiously, right? Like yeah. having... A barely visible earpiece, and someone's coaching you while you're going, or some shit like that, right? Like, yeah. there's so many ways that people could cheat at competitive 40k, or yeah. like every time you're checking your phone to check a rule, you're getting fucking. Oh, that's that's from been body. a thing that they're already talking about with that, where people have been getting text messages during the game because people are watching the stream. Really? Well, yeah. it's kind of unrelated to that, but I was watching one of the streams from Lock and Load, and I was like. I know people's, like, lock screen passwords, like, multiple players' lock screen passwords on their phone, because they're unlocking it constantly and texting while playing on stream. Yeah. So yeah. Like, oh, that, that guy might want to change his passwords. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. Um, I, I think if, again, this is just, like, wishful dreaming, if it was all perfect and everything, that if you didn't, if you had actually had a commission uh, painted army and you won uh, a best a best of award, that it would, the prize or whatever would get donated to a charity. Uh, rather than that individual receiving it. But again, that would be... Uh, that person then has to be... Hopefully they're awesome. upfront and honest and everything like that. But again, if that's clearly stated in like players' packs or, yeah. or what have you, I, I think that I, would be kind of interesting too. I, think, I, I, I like that idea, but again... Yeah. Whereas for me, I want it to go to the guy who, at that event, poured their heart and soul into their army and put that effort in. I want them to win. You yeah. know? I also... I, I'm, at, I'm at a point in my gaming career where... like. A lot of the local events that I'm going to, I'm judging instead of entering. Yeah. Because I play in a lot of events, and I and yep. I still remember back to the first time I won a best presentation trophy at a tournament, and that's probably one of those moments that pushed me to be a better painter. Yeah. Where you're like, fuck, so I'm here. How can I get even fucking better? Yeah. Right. It's all about that like reward cycle. No, and I, I have to give credit to one of Frontline's commission painters, Israel, uh, Israel Sanchez, when he had won, I think, the LVO three years in a row or something ridiculous, and he is a very good painter and deserved those awards. I think it was in the fourth year he bowed out. Yeah. Right? Like, which, which I think I think that's that's an awesome measure of respect for your fellow yeah. hobbyists, right? Like, hey, you know what? Like, I am... Uh, a good painter, and you know what? I don't need to win it this year. Also, at the same time, you start working for Frontline Gaming's commission paint studio. Yeah. You probably should bow out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. That's, so. that's quite fair. Yeah. Uh, but the other point with the hobby track that I have a bit of a, a problem with is uh, there is no understanding of how to win because every, every um, 
if you're going to offer a prize for it and you're going to have a bunch of people competing for it and you have no set way of really determining how that works, uh, like the thing about the ITC is when it, you can run a tournament any way you want. You can run it as a doubles tournament. You can run it as uh, Maelstrom missions. You can do whatever you want, but they have a guideline general pack for this is how we kind of envision this to work. These are your scenarios. These are your secondaries. This is how you win a game. There is nothing for hobby. So it's more Wild West? So, like, one uh, one tournament could be a checklist uh, system where you could have the most insane models. Every single one of the models is a Golden Demer, a golden Demon winner. Golden Demer, eh? Demer. Golden Demer. <laughs> uh, but you didn't bring a display board. And therefore, the guy that or brought had the display no conversions. Board, or whatever. Um you lose kind of thing. So I, the other thing is they don't have a rubric. You don't have a standard rubric. So when you show up at uh, an ITC event right now, you're kind of going, well, I have my ITC list and I spent all this time painting it, but I have no idea if it's going to be sort of generally to the theme that will help me win. Yeah. So I have with, I'm I'm trying really hard not to open more cans of worms right now, but I've been, I've had this conversation with several different TOs I've been talking to, yeah. especially on Lock and Load, the guy that runs Nova for War Machine, was asking me, how do you make a checklist for presentation? And my, my straight up answer was, you don't. Because there is no way you can take one hobby category and make it fair and encapsulate everything. So we're, we're, for I, me... I don't like checklists either. I, I think that No, but it's not a checklist. Ex- ex- well, no, no. Some events do checklists. Like, okay. Back in the day at GW, I know that like some of the painting contests, we had like a checklist system. But again, like you can just tick off like numerous boxes. Okay, but here with the tournament you get a you get a scenario pack and these are the scenarios you're gonna play. With a with a presentation thing you show up and they're gonna go, Oh, I'm gonna judge you on your display board. No, but yeah. like this sorry You need to have you need to have an understanding of what you need to do to compete. And I need to finish this point so okay. I can actually edit across. Sorry. Um this is probably one of the more heated conversations we've ever had on this We're all podcast. we're all agreeing with Yeah this. I know but we're just so Everybody's into it. But like what my suggestion was is fuck the traditional notion of best presentation. And you need to have a best painted a best converted and a coolest theme. Three trophies or three awards to give out so that the guy that has the like every model's a fucking golden demon quality but no display board, he gets a trophy. The guy that has the most badass conversions might not be painted as well, but he can still get a trophy. And the guy with the fucking cool display board is probably gonna win for best theme. So then all of a sudden, you're not having to play that game. Like, that. Okay, so this army is painted better, but it doesn't have a display board or conversions. But this army has a display board and conversions, but isn't painted quite as nicely. How do I judge who wins? You fucking can't. That is a straight-up judgment call, and it's not actually fair. Because that's apples to oranges. So, you, especially when you talk about how many... And it, it really came up for me in the War Machine context, where every tournament you go to, they give a trophy to some asshole that comes in third place for rolling dice. Like, it just it felt like it was so underrepresented for the hobby side. And yeah. then it's just... I've seen it so many times of what the fuck is best presentation. Okay, but we're kind of we're kind of I agree with that entirely. You're you're a hundred percent right. Like if you have your army is you know a three out of five for every model in it except for one that is you know the crystal brush winner. Are you the best painter? Is that best presentation? Is that best yeah. hobbyist? What the hell does that mean? I that's, agree. That's totally fair too. When you have one squad's not finished, or you have one squad that's a centerpiece and everybody else is mediocre. There are those things are impossible to score. Yeah, but like I'd, I'd like to know. I don't even think. So the other thing depends on the level of the the tournament. Like if you have a local RTT, you can't be giving out three. No, but you awards. could say this RTT 
this is what our presentation award's going to be and pick one. Sure, yeah, yeah. So then people going into that event know, if I want to compete for the hobby side of this event, I'm either doing some conversions, or I'm going balls to the wall with my painting, or I'm doing a sweet-ass display board. Yeah. So that you've got an understanding going in of exactly but that's what kind of But that's means. what I'm kind of saying is it, you can also do that for a best presentation. You can say, this event, you will be judged on individual model painting, you'll be judged on your display board, and you'll be judged on your army's cohesiveness or theme. But I don't think having all three in one is a... It's so fucking hard to assess. Uh, like, because what happens when you've got three armies where one has the slightly better display board, one has the slightly better conversions, and one has the slightly better... So you have a panel board. of judges. So it's still going to be a small sample of people arguing arbitrary criteria and giving weird results. Oh, I agree with that, but like, I just, you're right. I, and I and this isn't this isn't fair, a science. Th- there isn't an answer to this necessarily. We're not. Gonna, I don't think in the next like five minutes we're going to solve the problem of how to score best appearance. Oh, I agree. agree. But yeah, I do that. think it's possibly given the amount of you know issues that we're discussing right now and everything else and potential conflicts of interest. Blah blah blah. Is it maybe fair to say that it's just premature to be having the hobby track right now, given that it's not an ironed out system? Oh, I think it is it's, totally premature. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not fleshed yeah. out. So it's the first person that wins it, who knows why they're going to win it? Yeah, it might may or may not be a meaningful win. They, it might happen that they end up having an absolutely stellar army and are completely deserving of it. Yeah, but they could have also knows? dropped five grand. Who knows? Yep. And and again, even when it comes to that enforceability, what, the one thing that I come back to is it's not unheard of in Golden Demon competitions, which are explicitly. You must have worked on it yourself. You must be here in person to win. All these kind of things are laid out in the rules. Yeah. There have been issues before of somebody wins a trophy, the results get posted on the internet a week later, somebody goes, that model was entered and won a Golden Demon in a different country by someone else, was sold on eBay, and was entered in a Golden Demon in a different country by the person who bought it off the internet. Yep. That has happened before. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's... There is no perfect happen. system... Yeah. I think with presentation, well, I, but at exactly least GW it. doesn't have large, you know, cash value prizes, which incentivizes people to look for loopholes. Yeah, which which again, I mean, like if it's not a cash prize, then it's also hopefully deters some people from from breaking the the system. Yeah, totally. And I, at the end of the day, I think the big thing is you just need to have some general sense of commonality. Like you need to yeah. know: Do I have to have again? Do you have to have a conversion in your army to win? Like, is that a criteria of judging? Is a display board a criteria of judging? And obviously you're painting. Well, and the worst part of it... Let me know. Also, I fucking hate conversions as a criteria because the best conversions don't look like conversions. Yeah. And there's the whole argument of, like, does gluing on a sword arm on a guy that comes with an axe, is that really a conversion? Technically? (laughs) Yeah, no, but it's all subjective, and that's kind of my point with that, is you need to have some commonality. Like... It, in my mind, it'd be the exact same thing as showing up with an army where you totally built it for Maelstrom missions, and you're playing Eternal War, and you're just like, oh, like I have no late game staying power. I was not prepared. For I wasn't this. prepared at yeah. all. Yeah, I could have prepared for it. I could have built my list. It's one of the things. There's very few things in a Warhammer tournament that you can prepare for ahead of time, other than your list construction and presentation. If you're competing for any of those things, those are the two things you really have control over. Uh, and the rest of it is well you actually play. So if you, with list construction, they give you the scenarios ahead of time, typically. Yep. You know, um, so 
especially when you're talking about spending so much time on some aspect of the hobby that people take very seriously and compete like mm-hmm. crystal crystal brush winners a lot of them paint armies and they also compete on that uh, strategy or that side of things um yeah so anyways i think great in general the sort of my summation of this great idea i want to see it keep going constructive uh feedback if anybody's listening to this from frontline um and i'd like to see uh a couple of changes and i think you're good to go yeah just some clarification points yep taking um, taking a few hard lines honestly yeah, yeah. And we do apologize if we lost our shit at a few moments, because we do feel very passionate about this subject. Yeah. We knew it was going to get testy in here. Yeah. But, it's like uh, five degrees warmer in this basement right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, anyways. We should move on. <laughs> okay, so another thing I'm going to be super excitable about is uh, Kill Team. Oh, yep. God, we had a third topic. We haven't even started it. Yep. It'll, be, it'll be quick, because the biggest thing to talk about right now with Kill Team is... That mainly that large post that they put up on Games Workshop's community page, which kind of outlined what the fuck it even was. Yeah. Right? And and, and then f- the subsequent faction focus articles. Yeah, which are really just reinforcing how fucking cool it's gonna be. This is the equivalent in my mind of Shadespire for AOS for 40k. You know if I mean? it was better. In some <laughs> ways. I the reason okay, so the reason I say that is this is the game that you can get anybody into. You can get it's a little bit more complex. It's maybe not as simple as uh, Shadespire in some ways. It's, at least it sounds like it's not going to be as simple as Shadespire. Uh, mm. The fact that you don't have tile, you don't have squares. You're moving with tape measures immediately. Yeah, but you also don't have cards in the same way. Sure, but it immediately will throw some people off. The tape measure is a thing. It's not a board game anymore. Now it's a tabletop game. That can be a thing. Um, it can be perceived complexity. Um, but the point is, is you can get five models and play a game and have a good game is kind of the idea, and I think that's something that 40K has been sorely missing. Necromunda is not a simple game. It's not and a starter game. And it's not a feeder game into 40K. You're not yeah. going to you know, play a redemptionist gang or some obscure freaking sub-faction, and somehow that's your introduction to 40K. I don't know. It was maybe different back in the day, Mike. I know you used I to use it as an intro game. I got <laughs> seven guys to start 40K yep. with this within one year. But that was also back when, like, this shit was nowhere near as expansive as it is now. You know? Um, No, you got to understand, the key things were, it's similar. It's not exactly the same. Same universe. Same universe. Same kind of shoot, move kind of thing. And it was easy to get into because here's your your gang, go, you're done. You you can paint it, yep, that's great. Looks good, now it's personalized. Did you, did wow. you do that for people too? Did you paint up uh, factions for Necromunda and say, like, here you go, This your first no. taste is free? No, um, but on the other hand, a lot of those were one-piece metal models. Your first hit's free. Yes, mm-hmm. first hit's free, no, no. But those were, in most cases, those were one-piece metal models where yeah. they slot into the slot of yeah. base, and you can play. So that was, yeah. you know, push fit is great, but one-piece metal models that were very well sculpted, like, you can get playing with a model and like less than an hour after you take the shrink wrap off the box. Yeah. Because you're just ripping models out of blister packs out of the box, putting them, yeah, physically shoving them into the bases. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But those models, the gun arms on Necromunda when the game was released, those were, they weren't separate. Yeah. Those were, like, the, the two arms cradling the auto gun were I should stuck clarify. I had the gang I was using and two more. <laughs> so oh, yeah. they could try it. Yeah. Then it got personal after that. <laughs> but yeah, it's... So there there were definitely some arguments before that it was in some ways a better feeder game, in some ways not. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are for how many people are getting into AOS from Shadespire mm-hmm. versus just how many people are they getting back into Warhammer after a number of years away. Well, the other thing too yeah. is I think Shadespire can stand on its own. It's not a marketing exercise, right? Like it's it it's its own game, um, and I. There's interest for, I mean, getting your spouses involved. You can speak from an yep. example on that one, right? Well, so, we had Al- Alex on the podcast yeah. a couple months ago yeah. talking about that exact it, thing. Exactly, right? So I don't know if Kill Team's going to do the same for 40K. No, but I don't no. think 40K is the same thing. It's, 40K is a, is a very, in my mind, the universe is very niche. Like, you can't really explain the lore to somebody that isn't, doesn't have similar interests to you, like doesn't watch sci-fi, that kind of thing, without sounding a bit like a crazy person. Whereas, at least AOS has Game of Thrones in terms of cultural zeitgeist, whatever. And Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. Lord of the Rings. It's a lot more mainstream. Like, yeah. a Nazi fascist space empire full of psychers and orcs is kind of weird to explain. And, and the Chaos Gods fitting in that context make yeah. way less sense than, way like, sense. evil barbarians. And, and it's also like a little bit of, like, Event Horizon thrown in there, like, get that mixed in. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so I think like the Shadespire is great for getting people into GW IP, uh, but the the 40k side of things is for what I what I see uh, Kill Team doing is bringing those people that have played Dawn of War, played the video games, understand the IP a little bit, yeah. dabble. They're the ones that are going to get hooked with this. So is everybody at the table like super interested in Kill Team? Yep, I am yep. so fucking jazzed for this. I love scrimmage oh, yeah. games, Dan. I am, if only because, again, the, the, the faction box for Astartes has Primaris Reavers in it, which are some of the only Space Marine models I don't own already, and I was looking at buying them. I almost bought some several times. But you know what? You so know what? I, cool. I think I'm the only one that's not super excited for this. Okay, by the end of this, by the end of this segment, uh, you're going to be. I don't know. Okay. I think I can see why you change my mind. I can see why you, yeah, exactly. I I can see why you wouldn't be though after Shadow War. And and I think that's what it is. I think GW's released enough small 40k things that haven't gone anywhere. I'm so ready to answer this one. That have like they haven't really progressed into full fledgling communities as Shadespire has. And I think they've learned their lesson. But Tom, oh my God, so. I was talking about this with you guys, with various groups of you at various points of how I really wish that they just consolidated into one good skirmish game Mm -hmm. that encompassed the entirety of the 40k universe. And this is Kill Team. So, so much great things here, but like that Rogue Trader box, Mm -hmm. that's Kill Team. Yeah, it's not a separate game. That's a fucking Kill Team expansion. Yeah, Rogue Trader is Kill Team expansion, which is crazy. I miss that. Yeah, Rogue Trader, they fucking confirmed it in that thing. Rogue Trader is the first new expansion for Kill Team. Yeah, that box so, looks crazy too. Now, the Should other reason why I think it's so fucking cool is that they're approaching it the exact same way they do AOS and 40K, where there's three ways to play the game. There's going to be open of like, make whatever fucking scenario you want, have fun. There's going to be the narrative where you can skill guys up like Necromunda or Mordheim, whatever else. Mordheim is pretty fun. And there's also a matched play format where you can take your gang, go to the gaming store, and know what you're playing the game against somebody else. And be potentially able to participate in organized play events on equal footing and have those type of game nights. The other thing about it, too, that I really am looking forward to is 40K, there's so many factions I, like as as somebody that owns a shitload of armies that's painted up. Detolf cases as far as the eye can see. Exactly. I can pick... 
uh, already a bunch of factions. Like, I've got my AdMech ready to go. That's obviously a thing. Uh, but I can start other factions that I have not had a chance to really build a full army. Like, with 40k, you basically have to play 1,000 points before you're playing a game. Like, 500-point games are so weird and skewy. There's no points. It's not a thing you can really do. Uh, let's say I want to play uh, Gene Sealer Cult. Okay, I'll pick up 10 models. Or those... Uh, well, they're already in the starter set. Exactly. But more importantly, <laughs> one of the things that kind of actually sold me on the Death Corpse of Creek thing is I'll paint up 10 and I'll play them in Kill Team by the time it's out. It's true. You don't need to get like 100 of them. Yeah. And then you can work on your battalion for the larger game. And I think because of the way the army comp works for 40k now, you can really like build patrols, smaller battalions, um, vanguard a attachments. A patrol is literally whatever. a kill team. Right? You need uh, one troop and an HQ. If you're playing kill team, you have the beginning of a 40k army. Like It's it's so much more of a feeder in a lot of ways to 40k than even uh, Shadespire is. And they're so fucking intelligent about it because I look at it and all of those scenarios are written that can they either be played on the 22 by 30 inch card, like fold out Blood Bowl pitch style board they have, or on a 2 by 2 realm of battle. So not only does this mean if you have a Realm of Battle board, you can use those to play, but it also means all of those one-off Forge World ones that look fucking badass, that like I always kind of wanted to have, but never really wanted a full Realm of Battle board. Because they're also a million dollars. cost you a million dollars. Well, a million dollars, it's... Where would you put it? Yeah, (laughs) and like, how do you... That's such a clunky system for setting up a board. Tell us about your Realm of Battle. You have one. What do you... Oh, it's it's really nice, but like I said, it's... You have to come out and you have to put it together. If you don't have your table out all the time, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. So picking up one Forge World tile is actually kind of cool. And yes. You could make this game look like Infinity. One of the attractions of Infinity is the boards look amazing. The new terrain that's coming out with it, with coupled with the Mechanicum stuff that's already out. I'm interested in the terrain. The terrain looks wrong. so good. So you build that terrain, you build it on a really dense board. It kind of gets you that Necromunda feel. And having to fill a 4x4 four four Necromunda table is intimidating as hell. Yep. But That's like, hundreds of dollars for the scenery. But literally a quarter of the surface area. I also would be surprised if they don't port some of the Necromunda stuff over into Kill Team. It's They oh, said they won't, but they said you can use them as guardsmen. Some of the rules mechanics sound similar. Like um, the, the Space Marine article, for example, says one of the Space Marine special rules transhuman is transhuman phil- yeah. physiology, which lets you ignore your first flesh wound for each model. Yeah. And flesh wounds in Necromunda, it's like a wound that doesn't put you down, but so your strength and toughness is reduced by one. Yeah. And eventually, if you go strength or toughness zero, you pass out. Yeah. So, like, if there's a couple of mechanics from 40k proper, a couple of mechanics from Necromunda, plus all the customized stuff, it'll have that level of familiarity when you go play the other parallel games that you don't necessarily get with um, Shadespire. Because yeah. the Shadespire mechanics are just so different from AOS Pro. And that being said, one of the things that's interesting is Shade, the, the Shadespire team is responsible for this. Yep. Yeah, they, so, had, they had design input. I don't think it was the exact same team 100% of the way through, but it mentions they had design input throughout the process. So there's going to be some, uh, ideally there's going to be some similarity, so it's not like a complete uh, jump. But again, the big thing is, within those moments where you like get that urge to paint something different that's not part of a 40k army and you're like well why the fuck would I do that I gotta paint a thousand of them unless I want them to sit on my shelf you can actually paint them for a game yeah. so I have those five death marks that I painted up like yeah. four years ago yeah and I was like, ah, oh, I'm excited to do Necrons. And then I ate the croissants and they were gone and they didn't want to actually buy the plastic ones. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're, they're painted to a quality that I'm actually pretty happy with. Yep. 
And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to pull him out of a box because that's probably a kill team. Do you know what would be really cool to play with? Tau. Right? Tau would be fun. Fucking breachers. and the Breachers and a stealth suit or whatever. Else. I don't know what else you can take yeah. in there, but that would be so fun. A Tau uh, team would be awesome. There are a thousand suns that are going to have their own specific rules. Yep. On top so you of- can have like a couple of cultists or Zangor and a rubric marine you or something. fucking love cultists. Because they're good. Cultists uh, are great, but the other thing you can have, like, um, you don't need cultists, but I'm saying you could have a couple Rubric Marines or Zangors or whatever, because typically the Marine is going to be the Rubric Marine is going to be the good one in that yeah. in that box. Yeah. So the other thing that I'm really excited about is that one of the things that has kept a lot of the more traditional tabletop games out of like a tabletop cafe setting, like we've started Size. seeing Shadespire, we've started seeing Blood Bowl, Size. where you don't have the two, the 3D terrain and where there is a smaller size board. You know what? If you only have to fill, like, uh, 22 by 30, yep. if I bring my army of 10 fucking models and then a box with two or three terrain pieces in it, yep. and then you bring, like, all you guys do the exact same thing, when we sit down to play, we have enough pieces between the two of us playing to have a great-looking board. You can have a bunch of games going at these places where locally they're open way later. They've got, you know, beer we don't have in our game stores in, in Alberta. They've got food. It's, like... I can really see this being a game that can actually get more exposure because it can be played in more places. Yep, agreed. I totally agree. And frankly, the mechanics sound fucking cool. Like, one of the stratagems for <laughs> the orcs is if there's a grot within two inches of your model, you, you can do, like, a living grot bodyguard at, like, grot shield. And so, not, until not that bodyguard. grot you dies... In front of the bullets. <laughs> yeah, until the grot dies, it can, it's the only one that can be targeted. Yeah, like, it's pretty good. So it's going to have a lot of very, like, cinematic, very cool stuff like that in the game. Uh, and it's also only supposed to play in like 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, which is a big thing. Like that's that's huge with 40k. People are already talking about the chess clocks, which is another thing I want to talk about uh, coming up because the new rules are out for chess clocks. Yeah. But like it's three hours for a game of 40k if you're not rushing. Yeah. Like a game of 40k to play quickly at a tournament level is a chore. Uh, because of the time. It's not because of the, the enjoyment of the game. You're just going quickly. You cannot bullshit. Uh, I like to be able to when I'm when I'm playing a game for fun. Like I like tournament games and being very focused. That's don't get me wrong. That's great, but I want to be able to play a game where it doesn't take me three hours. Yeah, you if can I want bullshit, you can have a bit of a conversation. You can yep. stop and get a little bit of a drink. You can you know get to know your opponent a little bit before you never see them again. Yeah, laugh a little bit about the game, not just like full on focus mode. We could run a tournament from seven to eleven o'clock on a weeknight. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, it's something that you can really get into. And I honestly, I just can't wait to see all the rules for how the game is played because it just, it's so exciting that all the little critiques I may have had are resolved. Like, I'm, my mind is blown by the fact that they've got all of those scenarios written for the 22 by 30 and the 2 by 2. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? How did they have the foresight to do that? Like, well, they wanted to sell Forge World display boards. Yeah, sure, but they're great. I'm going to buy them. Yep. There's a fucking Necron Temple, dope as fuck. Some of the Mechanicum stuff, uh-huh. dope as fuck. Mm-hmm. The Imperial Landing Pad thing for that you can put like, yep. Thunderhawk on looks really good. The little like front outpost Imperial one, that would make a great fucking scenario table. Like, oh. Oh, I wanted to do you one. You soldiers, didn't you, Ward? I did sell mine. Uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit reserved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what actually happens. Like I said, like I feel personally that I've been burnt in the past by... Oh, totally. By I get that. But the, fact, the 40K stuff. And I'm not buying they, any of the starter they stuff. They released 
Other than the book. The name Kill Team before in different things. So I think, Always in White Dwarf. I think that, it, yeah. Not I think No, that it wasn't. There was actually Kill Team box. I think oh, it really? should have been possibly repackaged with a different name. And so yeah, it kind of stood out a little that's bit. That's one of the things that had me nervous at first was like Kill Team. Which which, which of the many versions of Kill Team yeah. is this one going to resemble? So that's that's why... I like. Their, gonna, I actually I'm like gonna, their packaging. I'm gonna be reserved. You like the package? Reserve. I'm gonna be a little bit more reserved, and I'm gonna see how it goes and, and, and go from there. I think enough, all of those other fair. games but, they set up for failure. This one seems to be set up for success. And the fact yeah. that they're marketing this one as actually having a plan is encouraging. Like yeah, when, no, when Shadow War Armageddon came out, people are like, "Is there more?" Yep. Is this going to be a thing in a The month? answer is no. Eighth edition's coming out. Well, it's going to crush it, and no one's going to talk about Shadow War ever again. Apparently, the prices have been leaked also for a bunch of the Kill Teams stuff, yep. too. Yes. So. Uh, on Bella Lost Souls, they posted the spreadsheet of the order form with the U.S. and Canadian prices. Yeah. Box set 160. 160, 75 Canadian for the faction boxes, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, the only thing How much, how much is the uh, figured carrying case? Uh, that carrying case is sweet. The skirmish Kill pack. Team Squad carrying case. 40 bucks? That is a very good price. That is absolutely on point. Yeah. yeah. If it was any more than that, that would have been a little bit on the fence. Yeah, but $40 bucks. is reasonable for a skirmish bag. I will be picking up uh, the new Gothic runes, because the Gothic rune set with the yeah. flying buttresses uh, looks so good. Well, there's four different... Yeah, the new scenery packs look actually really good. Oh, and they also have, there's rules for where you're playing. So, like, what environment you're playing in has different rules. And they're creating boxes where it has the terrain and the fold-out map. That's one of the things that we've always complained about GW is their terrain rules are bad. Yeah. Their terrain rules are not great. Like, the they work in the game and they actually are are functional, but they're not very uh, thematic. Ghost ghost fence, need I say more? Exactly. (laughs) Although... It kind of makes sense for Night Haunt. Does a little so bit. So it kind of came full circle. Does Those a little friends. bit. So you better start saving money for the 28th of July then. Oh yeah, It's right before my birthday, but I'm going to be buying a shitload of Forge World. <laughs> but here's the thing. One of us buys the book. We I'll be buying the book. And and like um, we don't even need, we just like measure out a 2x2 two two surface, play with 40k terrain, and you can play this fucking game. Yeah. So you can either go full investment into it but the and terrain. get all the stuff. Oh, it's so good. Or you can like just do like a little toe in, and it's going to work for anybody. Just a tip. Just a tip. The other thing that I'm going to go about halfway because I'm not going to buy the starter set. Half thrust into the well, like game. like it's. Let's just say the mushroom is breached. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's way too graphic. Actually, <laughs> that's shockingly graphic. <laughs> I thought you were going to be a lot more like uh, subtle about that. <laughs> a little bit more reserved. No. 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 All right. I'm excited about this game in a way that I don't think I've ever been excited about 40K before. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I guess, yeah, you weren't excited about 8th. 8th kind of snuck up on you. Like, I, I was, I bought it first day. I had pre-ordered. I was excited. but now You bought it before me. Yeah. <laughs> All of, everyone in this Everybody room bought it before you. We were all at Thunderground on launch day going, where's Steve? <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, I already Mike, downloaded the rules illegally. Mike and I were playing a game. and like it was That's hilarious. Yeah, but I love skirmish games. I love games that I can play in different locations. I love games that are you can get a lot of cool terrain. And like this is so up my alley. This is, this is exactly... We were talking about Thursday Night Vets Night like back at GW way, way back. Yeah. The idea of being able to pick up like a little tiny carrying case show up somewhere and play a game and be done in like an hour and a half at most is quite a, is pretty appealing. Like we have Blood Bowl Mondays. What about miniature Mondays at tabletop? 
Yeah. Just like play fucking. The only downside with that is uh, you get like the same thing with a lot of games days where it's like, who's bringing what game now? You know, like, oh, I'm the only guy. I brought my Malifaux. Anybody have Malifaux? But to be fair, it's still not going to be that much for that you have to bring. No, fair. And also, Malifaux is still on even a bigger board. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it would just be like, it would legit just be like Blood Bowl, Shadespire, and Kill Team. Yeah. Right? And frankly, if you show up at seven, you could play one of each. Yeah, yeah. Before the end of the night, one hundred percent. That's kind of cool. So, cool. Yeah. That was a real good bit. Of Damn, yeah. you might even actually heard that on the mic. That was a good, good lightning Son one. Son of a bitch. Yeah, we're, not okay with that. we're in like tornado weather after five o'clock season in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. So nice, sunny, like twenty-five degrees Celsius day. As soon as you get off work, fucking tornado weather. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a good time. Woo. All right, um, man. So I'm I'm sad that you're not fully committed over, but it seems like you just been burned one too many times. Mm-hmm. It'll be easy mm-hmm. to get you to play, like paint up five thousand five thousand suns. Five. That's a lot of models. Five thousand suns. It's a difficult five thing to say. Rubric Marines. Five Rubric Marines. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> and then you get to go. Yeah, uh, but seriously, I'm super excited. I can't wait to try it out. And until next time, <laughs> this has been another episode of Hibernate in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. So, play some games, paint your fucking models, and have fun. <laughs>